In three, two. Hey, everyone. Welcome to this episode of Property Management Talks. In this episode, I'm on with Jeff Lizo, the Managing Director at Stream Capital Partners. Hey, thank you so much, Jeff, for being part of the show. Appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Amazing, amazing. Beautiful. And um, to start, I would like to learn more about um, your background. And I know you've been in this space for over a decade now in real estate. So we'd like to know, where are you getting this um, drive and enthusiasm that you have? How did you start? How did you start? Yeah, I think, um, and, and thanks again for having me. It's good to be here. Um, you know, backing up, I think one, one thing I learned about myself was was more in my younger 30s that I'm better off as a hunter rather than um, sitting behind a desk. I wish I would have learned that earlier in life, but uh, here we are. Uh, but got into real estate actually between my junior and senior year of college. I did an internship um, at a multifamily investor company in Chicago on the west side who invested on properties on the south side, kind of more value add opportunities. Um, from there, graduated, worked for CBRE, it's actually the largest commercial real estate company in the world. Uh, spent a few years there before switching into uh, the appraisal field. And, and in that, I feel like I learned, actually in my appraisal experience, I feel like I learned more about real estate and valuing properties than probably any other uh, job that I've ever worked. Uh, so I spent about three years in appraisal at uh, one of the smaller shops in, in Chicago called Kelly Appraisal, who's focused on property tax appeal, and then spent a few years at Duff and Phelps. After that, you know, it started getting the itch to get into more of a sales role, more of a production role in brokerage. And so uh, spent a couple of years at Jones Lang LaSalle uh, here in Chicago, was on the capital markets sale leaseback team, learned a lot from those guys, um, had a great experience, uh, but still always just had the itch to get into more of a production role. And so one day I was walking into the office at JLL and was kind of browsing on LinkedIn and saw that Stream was uh, looking to hire brokers. And I remembered uh, I had met Jonathan Wolf, the founder of our company, back in 2008 when I graduated college at CBRE. And he, at the time, was the junior guy on the sale lease spec team there. And we always had a good relationship, kind of kept in touch over the years. And so reached out to Jonathan, wasn't really looking at the time to make a move, but met him uh, after work one day for a couple beers. One thing led to the next. And then Two weeks later, I was uh, working at Stream, which is where I am now. And so our team focuses exclusively on structuring sale leasebacks for private equity groups and, and corporates alike. And a real estate sale leaseback is where a company uh, who owns their real estate is looking to sell the real estate, but then lease it back as a tenant under a long-term lease. And Companies can do that for, for many reasons. Uh, it, could, it could be to uh, raise capital to pay down debt or purchase new equipment, or maybe in the retail case, it's to open new locations, et cetera. And then private equity groups actually love structuring sale lease specs because it's sort of an arbitrage for them, meaning when they go to acquire a business, uh, they're not really assigning much value to the real estate, but but sale leaseback investors out there are, are uh, giving a lot of value to having properties with long-term tenants in place. And so private equity group will get a business with a facility uh, as part of their acquisition, and then they'll turn to us to, to help structure the sale leaseback. And it can either be done in conjunction with the acquisition of the business, where 
uh, could be a part of their capital stack to help finance their acquisition, or they could do the sale lease back post close to pay down debt, or uh, like I said, purchase new equipment, or you know, in the private equity case, it could be even just to simply pay themselves a dividend, but get a lot of flexibility there, all while retaining operational control of the building under a long-term, typically 15 to 20 year lease. I see, beautiful, beautiful. And you've said you have this, you have this idea that you're better off as a hunter. <laughs> so you already yeah. like um, identified yourself to be in the space of like hunting. So basically over time, it's just guided you to where you are right now. And it's also a good thing that you ex uh, explained the, the concept of sale lease back to our um, listeners. So another thing that I'm curious is with the experience that you have in this space, what are like the what what is like the, the current market like in terms of like deal flow? You know, 2022, I would say across the board at our company and many others from what I've heard, and that's whether it's on the brokerage side or the principal side, I think it was really a gangbusters year. I think everybody was having a lot of fun. There were a lot of transactions closing all throughout the year, maybe a little bit more of an anomaly in that sense. And uh 2023 in comparison is down compared to 2022 but you know i've thought about it i'm not really sure if i would say it's, it's a down year or maybe it's just a reversion to the main but i would say the overall deal environment this year is a little bit more challenging compared to the five or six other years that i've been at stream uh one of our biggest headwinds today uh, isn't so much finding the deals and finding the opportunities. It's more on when the sale leaseback investor is going to get financing and they're trying to line up their debt. I think we're having uh, some some serious headwinds in the debt and capital markets uh, in getting deals closed today. There's just lenders are scrutinizing deals more than ever before. They're sometimes dropping deals at the one yard line right before closing. They're just a lot more risk adverse compared to where they were in the past. And I also think it's probably a little bit more of a disconnect in, in terms of pricing expectations between buyers and sellers today. I would say, you know, the lower middle market uh, sale leaseback deals that we traditionally focus on at our company in years past, you could probably get that done with a thick handle on it in terms of cap rate, you know, maybe high sixes in terms of cap rate. Whereas today, most of these lower middle market or middle market PE backed transactions are closing, you know, with an eight handle or, or well into the eights on cap rate. So, you know, sellers still have that expectation that they should be able to get a deal done in the high sixes or sevens on cap rate, whereas buyers are really digging in on, and staying put in, in the eights today. So, yeah, I would say overall, it's just, you know, the debt markets coupled with uh, disconnect in pricing between buyers and sellers are the biggest headwinds that we're seeing today. Yeah, I see. I see. I, I agree with that one hundred percent. And I just want to delve in more deeper with the, the buying, buying and invest, investing, let's say. So what are the, the considerations when buying and investing in properties? And what advice can you like or what do you think are like the best practices for, for the buyers during the transaction? Well, best practice is hiring an advisor like ourselves. But uh, all, all joking aside, I think, you know, when, when we're pricing our deals, when <laughs> When we're pricing our opportunities, you know, it's really based on four things. We're we're coming up with a cap rate, market rent, and and pricing the properties as such. But 
you know, the cap rate really in our deals and the sale leaseback transactions, it's really a function of four things. I would say the biggest factor is the credit of the tenant uh, who, who will be signing the long-term lease. So I think the biggest factor for any sale leaseback investor when they're looking at the credit is, hey, is this tenant going to be able to afford this, this rent that, that the broker is assigning? And what is the likelihood that they are in place throughout the 15 to 20 year term of the lease? That's the most important factor. Uh, so that would, I would say is about 50% of what goes into uh, our pricing when we're coming up with a cap rate. Uh, the other three considerations are the quality of the real estate. So is it a class A concrete tilt type building or is it, you know, a metal, uh, you know, a metal shed with, you know, maybe no heating or cooling or limited finish area. Um, so the quality of the real estate is consideration. The location of the real estate is consideration. So are you in a, you know, are you in an A market like Chicago, New York, or Los Angeles, or, you know, are you out in, you know, maybe a secondary tertiary location in South Dakota? And then the fourth consideration is lease term. So, you know, the longer the lease term, uh, the lower the risk for the sale leaseback investor, meaning if, if we have a seller that's willing to sign on for a 15 to 20 year absolute triple net lease, you know, sale leaseback investors love that. It's a hands-off investment for them. We call it mailbox money. Uh, so they just collect a rent check every month and, and you know, don't really have to worry a lot about the, their investment. Whereas if it's a shorter term lease, it's a little bit more risky for the investor and you know, if it's a five to 10 year lease, they know that they're gonna have lease up cost and maybe TI improvements on the horizon. So uh, those are the four things that we consider when we're pricing deals and also happen to be the four things that uh, among others that sale leaseback investors are considering as well. That's amazing. And I like how you provided um, structure or structure to, to that answer that you gave us. And uh, as a managing director, how do you uh, approach the 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 complexity of of this space that you have yeah like i said the biggest factor the biggest challenge for us today is making sure that we're picking the right buyers for our transaction mm. so we're vetting buyers more than ever up front making sure that they have their debt lined up you know want to know what they've closed in the past want to make sure that they have the funds to to close the transaction that you know that they're offering on and so i would say today more than ever we're, we're vetting out buyers more uh, diligently and also during the transaction you know we're it's no, gone are the days where you could get a deal signed up and get it under loi and you know maybe kind of sit back and coast a little bit and let it kind of play out i think today you need to stay involved in the transactions more than ever uh just continue to make sure that the buyers and the sellers are engaged and, and turning the documents around, getting having the buyer get their financing lined up and just make sure that everybody's still full throttle ahead uh, because things are popping up, you know, more than ever. And uh, just need to make sure uh, that you got to keep the transaction uh, going and make sure that nobody balks. Amazing, amazing. So that means you need to um, constantly keep on track especially with the data that you um that you're looking at so yeah i think but i think you just... know buyers mm -hmm. the job of a broker obviously is to make sure that the transaction closes i mean we're working on mm -hmm. behalf of our clients i mean that is our singular focus so 
I think in years past, it may have been a little bit easier. We didn't have to worry so much about financing getting lined up or, you know, buyers moving along with their, their third party reports and or legal costs, et cetera. I think, you know, there was just a little bit easier to get deals done in the last few years. But today, you know, the brokers need to be involved more than ever before. I totally agree with Owen. And um, on the other side, can you discuss the role of a private equity-backed businesses in the net lease and sale lease-backed market? We'll dive in deeper to that. Yeah, sure. So I would say about maybe 75 or 80% of our client base are, are private equity groups. Like, like I mentioned before, they love doing sale lease-backs because a lot of times there's uh, untapped value in real estate that both buyer and seller of the business are, are maybe not aware of. So you could be a family owned business, you know, we'll call it a food company and you've been operating out of a facility that, you know, maybe your, your grandfather built, you know, 60 years ago for the business. Well, there's a whole group out there of REITs and, uh, private buyers and family offices that are looking to buy, these types of properties that are leased to these businesses under long-term leases. And a lot of times these sale leaseback investors will pay top dollar to have a tenant under a long-term 15 to 20 year lease, a credit worthy tenant under a 15 to 20 year lease. And so a lot of times sellers of businesses aren't even aware of what their real estate could be worth in a sale leaseback transaction because they're not aware of these, you know, these sale leaseback investors out there. And so, Private equity groups especially love doing the sale lease backs because a lot of times when they're acquiring a business, they're not assigning much value to the real estate. Uh, you know, it's kind of more of a throw in when they're when they're acquiring a business. And a lot of times investment bankers are, are really focused on just selling the business and aren't really focused on the real estate either. They get under LOI for the business or maybe it's right after they close on the business. They're going to hire somebody like us to structure the sale lease back for them. And it's a bit of an arbitrage opportunity for them. And sometimes we've seen it where the real estate could be so valuable that uh, it, it covers their entire acquisition cost of the business or they can pay down significant debt post-close because they structured the sale leasebacks. So private equity groups love doing the sale leasebacks. Um, a lot of times their acquisitions don't include real estate, unfortunately, but, but when they do, a, a sale leaseback is often a significant part of their capital stack or a means to pay down debt post-close. They agree, beautiful. And that requires um, a lot of trust to um, get some people involved in the transaction. So with that being said, it's it's amazing how you provided like the solution that you provide to your uh, clients. And when you provide the ratio, you said 75 to 80%. So again, I think in my opinion, I think this kind of clients, the um, private owned is or does require more trust than the regular ones. And the ratio that you provide is 75 to 80%. And that speaks a lot with the quality of the service that you guys provide. Yeah, so, I think, like I'm I said, seven, 70 to 75% of what we do is private equity backed. And the remaining is is corporate companies that, you know, they, they own their facilities and they just realize, hey, this, this real estate, it's really a non-earning asset for us, meaning it's not making mm -hmm. the company money except for annual appreciation and value. So we can monetize our real estate and then we can take the capital from the sale and reinvest it back into growing the business, really putting that money to work. And 
going back to what you said about trust, you know, I think it's private equity groups that, like I said, are looking to use the stale leaseback to maybe fund a, a portion of their acquisition of a business. And a lot of times we're closing the sale leaseback in conjunction mm -hmm. with the acquisition of the business. So it's important that we get the sale leaseback lined up with the acquisition of the business. And, you know, if, if we fail in, in our job, it can affect the private equity group's ability to get their transaction closed. And so that's why, like I said, I mean, it's more, it's important to have an advisor like us guiding that transaction and really staying with it from soup to nuts. I, I totally agree with that one. And going back to what you've said earlier about uh, the, the 2020, 2023 years, like, difficult than five years before so just a question how do you like stay up to date with um industry trends and changes in a in a market a lot of reading a lot of research um you know i think mm -hmm. more than ever i think it's important for brokers to know I, mean, I was actually just talking to a few colleagues today that you know are a little bit frustrated you know where it's like hey our deal flow may be down year over year but i think just Kind of being in this for six years and and real estate as a whole for you know more than 15 now um i think it's more important to you know just keep keep focused keep doing your research keep reading and i think right now is the best time to really plant seeds for the future so i think there's going to be a lot of opportunities as a result of you know the headwinds that i think uh many expect to continue such as higher rates or an inflationary environment um, there's a lot of loans coming due in the cmbs world so i think there's going to be a lot of sellers out there that are looking to sell because maybe the refinancing isn't as attractive as it used to be so i think now more than ever you know we need to accept deal flow may be down and activity may be down a little bit but i think it's these are the years and these are the times where it's uh, very opportunistic and planting those seeds for the future can be really fruitful, you know, in a year or two when things start to thaw maybe a little bit and deals start to get done again. Interesting. Amazing. And with the experience that you have, Jeff, can you provide uh, an insights into the future of the net lease and sale lease back industry and any emerging opportunities and challenges that, that you think that may come up? Let's say, yeah, I think, I think sale like lease five years or so i think sale leasebacks will continue in, in in growing in popularity um you know i think i, I think mo i would say most of the private equity clients that we deal with now they're well aware of what the sale leaseback is and, and and how it could benefit them as a private equity group i think corporates uh you know same kind of thing but i think they're maybe a little bit less educated in in the benefits of, of how real estate could uh, or how a sale leaseback could benefit their business. So I think there's more opportunities in in the corporate space, whether it's a public company that owns the real estate or or private family owned business that owns the real estate. And I think you know we're also seeing deal flow pick up outside of the U.S. So we're, we've been doing more and more deals in Canada, Mexico, Europe. So I think there's going to be a lot of opportunities in you know, in the next few years out outside of the US. I think the sale leaseback, it's still a little bit of a newer concept for, for European businesses from what we're finding. Um, but we are seeing more activity, uh, like I said, outside of the US. So I, I expect that trend to continue. You know, nobody really knows where rates are going to go. I, I have my theory and it may differ from yours. 
Um, you know, I think this is, uh, I think, you know, sale leasebacks though, you know, regardless of where rates go are always going to be attractive and attractive tool compared to traditional bank financing for a number of reasons. So, um, expect that trend to continue as well. Beautiful, beautiful. And what you provided to us is super insightful. And we can even consider it as a liquid gold from someone who have experience like yours. So Jeff, if if anybody wants to uh, connect with you, thinking about like working with you or reaching out to you, what would be the best way to do that? Yeah, either through LinkedIn. Um, obviously, it's Jeff Lizzo. You can find me on LinkedIn. I work with uh, Stream Capital Partners. We're headquartered outside of, out of Chicago, but we have offices all throughout the country. Um, or you can email me at jeff at stream-cp.com and uh, be happy to connect. Amazing, amazing. And all of those information will be provided in the show notes so that our listening listeners can easily go into those details. So again, I'm going to repeat, Jeff, with the experience that you have, what you provide to us, you can consider it as a, as a liquid gold. So appreciate you being a part of our show and for our listeners um we can't express enough the gratitude for um providing a support so it's greatly valued for us so for today's episode if it brought you any value i uh, would be grateful if you could like spare a moment and rate us a review and where you get the um podcast on what platform you get it and also get one thing that you've learned today go ahead implement and execute it and we want to hear about your wins and again, thank you so much for sticking with us. And Jeff, thank you so much for being part of our show. Yeah, thank you for having me. It was good to be with you. Awesome. Beautiful. Everyone, see you in the next episode. Cheers.